Hey everyone, it's Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, Container Journal, Security Boulevard. You're listening to another DevOps chat. Welcome. And I'd like to welcome to our DevOps chat, Kirsten Newcomer of Red Hat. Kirsten, welcome. Thank you, Alan. Great to be here. So um, I'm Kirsten Newcomer, as you said, Red Hat. Uh, my focus at Red Hat is... Uh, DevSecOps for cloud-native applications. Um, been working at Red Hat for about five, four years now. Um, it's really kind of fun. I've managed to leverage uh, a, a kind of my all sorts of different elements of my background over the years. I spent time at Rational Software nine years working on developer tools. Uh, then sure. some, yeah, some time with BMC Blade Logic on the operations side of the world. Uh, seven years at Black Duck Software, focusing on solutions that help companies, you know, manage vulnerabilities and open source software. And that led to the move to Red Hat, uh, where I get to focus on OpenShift security and DevSecOps and sort of everything comes together. So DevOps. It really does. I mean, yeah. following, following your career, I think, I, I know just about all of those companies intimately and know a lot of people. I'm sure we have a lot of people in common that we've worked with. I bet uh, we do. It's funny. So you were rational, left rational only to return to IBM. And I know. <laughs> so that is true. You know, it's the circle of life right there, man. It um, is the circle <laughs> of life. Yep. <laughs> welcome. So, so Kirsten, look, DevSecOps is, of course, something near and dear to us. We put on every year at the RSA conference our DevSecOps um, days, or DevSec, DevOps Connect DevSecOps days. We actually have the virtual event of that live on Thursday. I think it's the 26th. March nice. 26th. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something, quite frankly, this whole security thing is the reason I got into DevOps, is I thought, what a great opportunity for security to, to, to cure a lot of original sin. Absolutely. Um, so. <laughs> but anyway, you know, when we look at, you know, the DevSecOps and the DevOps world, Kirsten, we, you can't help, you must take notice of the impact that, that Kubernetes and the whole cloud native kind of movement has, has had on this. And, and you agree? Absolutely. No, big changes. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, and, it, and it's really at the core of, of so much of what, you know, is being done right now from an from a infrastructure point of view. And, and oftentimes, I don't know if people, like everything else, right? I remember when the cloud came out and, and when we moved from client server and all this. Security, there's always that lag, right? Mm -hmm. Where, oh, yeah, we got to do security with this. Yeah. And we had a little bit of that with Kubernetes, I think. Where, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. You know, people were rushing to do Kubernetes yep. and, and, and experiment with it, deploy it. And then someone started saying, wait a second, what about, <laughs> what about the security here? What about compliance? What about this yep. or that? And now I will tell you, and I'm interested in your opinion, I thought the lag time was much shorter this time than what we've seen in the past. Oh, I, I absolutely think so. And, and, and I think it's really interesting, a couple of things that, I, that I've observed. One is that 
um, I really think containers and Kubernetes have created a terrific opportunity to shift security left. Um, and, and I'll kind of be more explicit about that in, in a couple of ways, but I, in fact, um, have worked with uh, a chief of cyber defense in the public sector who uh, believes and evangelizes that containers improve security. Um, and I've stolen his line because I, I just actually think that that's really valid. Um, because of the changes in the model, you you know where the OS dependencies and the runtime, everything's kind of packaged together, and you have that immutable container image that you're always deploying from. You really can manage things in a new way, uh, and not every team is ready for this, and and not every team, not every security vendor is ready for this either. So so I think the opportunity has been twofold. One is to kind of adjust the thinking about security so that it no longer becomes something that happens at the end. Um, but that's, that's still a process, that's still a lot of work. And the other thing is the security tooling space itself has historically been pretty siloed, right? There's been, you know, the OS layer security, the network layer, there's been kind of, you know, my seam and my SOC that I'm, that I'm working with. And my cert management and secret my vaults and in none of them really were designed to work with the level of automation that kubernetes and containers enable which led to this really interesting opening for smaller companies a lot of startups uh, that now have been around for a little while actually to start breaking down those silos and delivering security capabilities in a new way that kind of really do fit the DevSecOps model because you get kind of one vendor bringing a set of capabilities that ranges from CICD integration to runtime security to network security. Um, really fascinating space to see how it's been evolving. It, it really has. The other thing that I, I, I will tell you, Kirsten, that I was again encouraged by was when I first started seeing people talk about security for containers and Kubernetes, it really was like, let me scan your container for yeah. vulnerabilities, right? And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't care whether my code's in a container or in a, a hypervisor or on bare metal. A vulnerability scan is a vulnerability scan. There's gotta be more to this than just a more vulnerability scan kind of yep. thing. Absolutely. And that's, that's, I think, where, as you mentioned early, that, you know, Kubernetes really has come a long way in that space. Um, so there are things like if we think about, so, so absolutely, vulnerability scans are fundamental and kind of people always understood those. They tended, his, historically, they've happened a little too late in the life cycle, making challenges for the app dev team and such. We're, we're she, seeing that shift left a lot. Um, but then there's all these other range of things that you should be doing and can be doing to build security in to the platform. And so when we saw, uh, you know, pod security policies in Kubernetes, for example, that's a way that the kube admin can take advantage of the Linux features that enable container isolation at the Kubernetes layer and enforce things like ensure that a container doesn't run with unnecessary privileges. Sure. And, and so we are seeing more capabilities. Now that's still beta, so the community still has some work to do there. Um, but as you say, we're, we're seeing more emphasis and, and you know, the open source uh, Kubernetes security audit sponsored by the CNCF is a great example of that. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and look, CNCF has done yeoman's work here, man. Really, really done a nice job with, with, with the whole Kubernetes project, specifically security. You know, but one of the, one of the reasons, like uh, we did a webinar yesterday, for instance, and it was on, you know, the different, the different cloud providers versions of Kubernetes and Kubernetes uh -huh. environments. And, and, you know, fantastic. We had 700 and something people sign great. up for this webinar. A lot of great questions, even on the YouTube afterwards, a lot of great questions. One, one of the things that became clear to me in listening to people talk is that, you know what, just going to whether it's AWS or, or Azure or GCP or whatever and, and setting up my Kube environment may not be the best thing for me because I, I'd rather get one of the package distributions, if you will, or, or a more complete solution of which Kubernetes is a piece, like an OpenShift. But some others were mentioned, Rancher and, and some sure. other, But OpenShift was the most popular one mentioned. And I think one of the reasons is people, people want to know that security has been kind of built into it. Yeah. And beyond just the, the cube release, whether it's 1.4, 1.5, what have you, 1.6, um, you know, what, what else has been wrapped around that, that just KA? Yeah. And make it easier. Absolutely. And that's been a big focus for us at Red Hat really from the beginning, you know, an enterprise solution. And this is a place where, so we talked about changes in the security tooling to, that, that needed to be made to adjust to the technology, but by and large, the principles still apply um, you know, you still need audit logs, right? You still need, uh, you know, to, to log data from the cluster itself. You need log data from the applications. You need monitoring tools. Um, and, and so, and you need to think about host OS security as well. And, and so we've kind of really looked at the stack as, a, as kind of spanning all of those things. And we want to make it as easy as possible to manage that solution um, as a as a solution, right? And and so that um, if you and and plenty of folks do this, you know, and 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 get value from it. But if you're in a situation where you can afford afford to kind of do a DIY Kubernetes and add in a logging stack and add in, you know, kind of all the different pieces that you really need for the enterprise solution, then you have to maintain them each separately, and you're maintaining the host OS separately as well. And so we've really focused recently, and especially with OpenShift 4, on automating everything, which includes the, the host operating system. So RHEL CoreOS, Fedora CoreOS, uh, available, you know, as an op open source project. It's a container optimized operating system that we manage as part of the full platform. It makes it much easier to apply OS updates across your cluster. You can do that in a way that has zero downtime for your well-behaving apps. You can take a, a node out of, uh, out of service in the way you would, you know, that Kubernetes manages it. Update that with a patch to OpenShift or its components or the operating system itself. Put it back in service. Um, and, and so kind of a combination of, you know, looking at the whole stack holistically, what does an enterprise need? In, in order to ensure that they have a secure environment, a stable environment, a highly available environment, um, 
and, and making sure that we kind of leverage the terrific declarative and automation capabilities of Kubernetes kind of throughout the whole stack. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize just really all of, all of you know, until you just said it, I never kind of put together all the pieces of what you guys are doing with that. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's really cool. And one of the, one of the other fun things that we get to do is we actually, so back to, if we think about the host OS layer for a bit, right? If you need to scale your clusters, that means adding a new host and you've got the work involved to be sure that you, you know, deploy that infrastructure and that you secure that infrastructure according to your standards and then you put Kubernetes on top of it and, you know, add it to the cluster and you're ready to, to put workloads on it. And we're using the concept of Kubernetes operators to automate the components of OpenShift, including the host OS. So we have a machine config operator. So if you're deploying OpenShift in a cloud, in a cloud where you can automate the addition of infrastructure easily, you can use the machine, machine config operator and the declarative nature of, of, of Kubernetes, right? It's a container-optimized OS. It's delivered primarily as, as container images. The user space is read-only. You've got that declaration of what a host should look like, and you can just use the machine config operator to spin up new hosts and add them to your cluster. Excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we would be derelict in our duties i guess if we didn't mention the whole covid 19 and, and how Fair enough. That, that's affecting things yes yeah um, in my mind so i so first of all i don't think a lot of what we're seeing right now and its effects are are necessarily three week or six week or you know these a lot of this stuff's going to stick yeah i think one of the things that are going to stick are people who are going to want more automation Right in their Absolutely. deployments, in their operations, in their infrastructure. Yeah, and I'm, um, you know, automation from a security point of view is is kind of a double edged sword, right? We we at least we you know with from an when things are automated from a security point of view, we know we think we know exactly what's going to happen, and so we can we can plan around that. On the other hand, security people tend to get a little fritzy. <laughs> when, you know, when things come out of our cold, dead hands here. Yeah. And um, what, what do you think? How, yeah. What do you think? I know I agree with you. And, and I think one of the things that, um, one of the ways that Kubernetes is, is kind of pushing the boundaries with security teams. So, so and, and I talk to a lot of different security teams um, over time. So it's kind of like, you know, they, they're, they're a little bit more comfortable with the idea of DevOps for the application layer at this point, right? For those containerized apps that are going to be deployed, it's like, okay, they, they, they kind of have an idea of, yep, security static analysis tools integrated, vulnerability scanners integrated. There's some cool new stuff coming out about, you know, that, that I'm seeing on the market where there are uh, tools that are starting to evaluate the configs and the Docker files too. That's really great. But, and then as we continue to move into the ops space, right, with Kubernetes and the SDN, which is required for any Kubernetes cluster, and now we have Service Mesh added into the mix or Istio for, for uh, you know, microservice-based communications. The network security teams are 
uncomfortable with who's going to manage network policies at the Kubernetes layer. And now I've got service mesh or Istio policies as well. And, and who's responsible for those? And in the end, it's really about visibility. So if we circle back to automation, we're, we're really looking at infrastructure as code, you know, a GitOps model that applies again to the, to the Kubernetes layer, to the configuration of the kube cluster as well. And we need to put in place, you, you need the automation to get the best results, but you need to do it in a way that gives the security team visibility into the kinds of things they're used to seeing. And, and so I think this is another way where we're starting to shift left in, in new ways. I'm also seeing uh, solutions that help automatically generate network policies based on evaluating, um, you know, an environment or, uh, or, a cer- or automatic, you know, generating service mesh policies based on, on evaluating the config for the apps. But all of that, you know, the network security guys aren't necessarily going to log into the cluster to look at that. So how do they get the view they need to get? And how do they help the app dev teams understand um, that, that whole uh, risk management and their security perspective? And, and so this is where it's not just about tools, it's about people and processes, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's, there's so much richness here, but you're absolutely right. Audit, you know, we can't do it without automation. And, and so we're going to have to help these people become comfortable with this shift while ensuring that they get the visibility they need to know that things are being done in a way that meets their risk guidelines, their regulatory requirements, and, and the security posture they want. So to me, one of the fundamental things with, with DevSecOps, one of the fundamental shifts in DevSecOps is, first of all, security people recognizing that they're not the only ones who care about security. Mm. Believe it or not, the developers and the DevOps folks, they do care about security. They may not be security trained people, but they care about security. I think the second thing with that is the developer people have to realize, and the DevOps teams have to realize that the security people aren't there just to be the roadblock and they don't right. need to always be the people who say no. Right. And, and what we're, so this has nothing to do with technology yet per se. This is a people to people issue. Absolutely. And I think we're making real progress in that. And I, and as a result, what we're seeing is security people paying for and approving security tools that developers and DevOps teams are using yep. on the Kubernetes platform, yep. you know, because that's the kind of the platform of choice now. And that to me, that's what keeps me optimistic about this. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And, and also when we think about, you know, the broader landscape, I mean, there is the, the security threats are just ever evolving, ever changing, and there aren't enough security trained professionals to go around, right? There aren't enough cybersecurity folks, et, et cetera. And so we have to figure out how do we help teams scale and, and collaboration is the way to do that. And, and you're right, I see the same thing you do, right? That the, the security team is approving those tools that are container native, kube native tools that, that help to ensure. And in some ways, they, 
I don't mean this in a negative way, but in some ways they, they kind of are pushed into that because the traditional tools that used to be used um, kind of at the back end of things aren't effective in, in a container and Kubernetes world. And so they really do have to go with this shift that we're seeing in the vendor landscape. And, and it just opens up this terrific opportunity, though, for that collaboration and that shared knowledge, um, which you know, is, is an adjustment for, for people sometimes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Chris, Kirsten, when we first started, I, I said, you know, the time goes really quick. I'm only going to keep you here 15 minutes. Well, that was 21 minutes. Ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we did it. All right. We're going to have to call a wrap on this one. Maybe we'll have you come back another time and it's we a plan. continue the conversation. All right. There. Good. Great. It was great fun. Thank you so much, Alan. Thank you. All right. Uh, Kirsten Newcomer, Red Hat, our guest here. Uh, this is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com Container Journal Security Boulevard. You just listened to another DevOps chat. Stay well, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>